Welcome to From an Ex-Fan. My name is Rebecca, and I will be your host, per usual. Today we will be talking about Supernatural. So, previously on From an Ex-Fan Supernatural Edition, we watched... Excuse me while I find it, because I'm unprepared. So we watched um, Season 1, Episode 10... I let all of my daddy issues show again, as well as Sam and Dean. Um, And today we're going to talk about season one, episode 11, titled Scarecrow, and possibly season one, episode 12, titled Faith. Um, It depends on how off script I get. All right, so this episode is episode 11 of season one, titled Scarecrow. And it reminds me of that one, That's So Raven show episode. I remember this episode being like super terrifying and um well the closest story i have that has to do with scarecrows um isn't really a story but the town i just moved to is a small town with a little old gas station and an apple orchard um like they're known for their apple orchard which is weird because it just feels like this random ass little town in texas why the fuck would we be known for our apples um but we are so, I'm, I'm a little terrified. <laughs> Thankfully, though, that I am now technically a local, so hopefully it won't be me. Anyways, I'm pretty sure that the That's So Raven episode um, gave me nightmares, but I'm also pretty sure that that gave everybody nightmares. Anyways, um, so jumping in, we open in Burkittsville, Indiana, one year ago from 2005, so 2004. Um, We get a shot of a man, like, filling up his gas tank and a woman getting a free apple pie from a sweet lady. The woman says that everyone in town is so nice. And the guy who is with her says, yeah, what a catch. He's joking, but he shouldn't be. The older couple gives the younger one directions and their daughter compliments the younger man's tattoo. So we make sure to pay attention to that, to the tattoo. It cuts to the younger couple driving on a road, and then their car breaks down. It's important to note that it is a Mustang. I don't know why that's important to note, but it is. Um, Their phones are dead, too. You know, cliches. The couple decides to go through the apple orchard, and um, we all know this is a terrible mistake. Inside the orchard, the couple sees a very human-like scarecrow. Also, I don't think the trees in this orchard are even apple trees, so that's impressive. Like, it literally just looks like they, like, fucking set, just threw a whole bunch of fucking apples on the floor, on the floor, on the ground. I don't know, this could have been filmed inside. I didn't work the, I didn't, I don't work for Supernatural. And I understand why they do what they do. Um, stupidly, the couple decide to get a closer look at the scarecrow. The boyfriend makes a joke, um, you know, like a Wizard of Oz joke. Holly, the girlfriend, notices the scarecrow move as they walk away from it. He hears a branch snap and it scares him. The boyfriend starts yelling hello and attempt to speak to whatever is following them, not knowing it's the scarecrow. We also get like this weird growling sound throughout this whole scene and it it feels random 
Anyways, um, they take off running and the cameraman is also like running and it's and it messes with my eyes. The boyfriend like disappears and the girlfriend starts calling out his name before she takes off back into the direction of the scarecrow and their car. In a classic horror film way, the woman trips and falls over her significant other who she realizes doesn't have any skin and she screams. We then get a quick shot of the scarecrow chasing her as she backs up on all fours before we cut away to the title card i think oh before we cut away to the post that the scarecrow is supposed to be on before we get the title card we then get the shot of the boy sleeping from like above it's a nice shot and we get to again see that dean sleeps shirtless it's kind of a continuation of where we left off last episode you know where it ends as dean's phone is ringing sam answers it and we get john on the other line asking if that's sam he looks happy to hear his voice but still fuck john winchester sam replies with dad <laughs> that's my sam impression as he shoots forward like he like literally is laying straight in bed and he just pops up anyways Sam asks if he is hurt, and John says that he's fine. Sam says that they've been looking for him everywhere, and they didn't know if he was okay. John says, Sammy, I'm all right. <laughs> That's my John Winchester impression. <laughs> oh, my gosh. He then asks if they're all right, and Sam says, well, we're fine, Dad. Where are you? As Dean wakes up. Good morning, princess. Your deadbeat dad is on the phone. John says, sorry, kiddo. I can't tell you that. My dad also calls me kiddo. He really is John Winchester. Like, ugh. I hate it so much. Like, every time he calls me kiddo, I like, ugh. I'm like, oh, okay, John Winchester. Anyways, uh, that's just how men that age talk. I don't know. Sam is upset and asks, why not? Dean asks if it's dad on the phone, and John answers, Look, I know this is hard for you to understand, but you're just going to have to trust me. Fuck you. Sam then asks, if you're after it, you're after it, aren't you? The thing that killed mom, and doesn't answer Dean's question. John answers with, yeah, it's a demon, Sam. Now, okay, hear me out. If it's so dangerous, and he's trying to keep the boys away from it, why would he tell them what kind of fucking creature it is? Like, that just, you know, because the boys know how to find demons, what omens to look for. So they could totally hunt him down and put themselves in danger. Anyways, Sam wants to know if John is sure. And Dean, again, wants to know what John is saying. John says, I do. And I do, too. There. Oh, John says, I do. And then I say, I do too. There, now I'm married to Jeffrey Dean Morgan. John then says, listen, Sammy, I, uh, I also know what happened to your girlfriend. I'm so sorry. I would have done anything to protect you from that. Then you should have. Sam then asks if he knows where he is. 
it being the demon he already knows the name of um who oh i'm sorry we already know the name of yellow eyes john answers yeah i think i'm finally closing in on it sam suggests letting them help and john says no dean wants the phone as sam wants to know why not john then says listen sammy that's why i'm calling you calling you and your brother you've got to stop looking for me i need you to write some names down sam is confused um we love confused sam and um himbo dean john says that they're everywhere and even now talk even then talking now even them talking now it's not safe and i hate him dean demands the phone and says oh and john says i've given you an order now you stop following me and you do your job you understand me now take down these names didn't john serve in vietnam i might be making that making up like the place but i'm pretty sure he like served in some branch of the government army or whatever anyways sam gets pissed off and dean snatches the phone away from sam and says dad it's me where are you we don't get any more of john's dialogue guess where them dean responds with yes sir dean just begins to take down the names like nothing we then find out the names that john gave them are all three couples oh all are couples three of them to be exact who went missing they're all from different towns and states and they all took a road trip cross country and none of them arrived at their destination sam suggests that they could have gone missing anywhere and dean says that they all went through the same part of india i'm sorry indiana and they all go missing on the second week of april one year after the other sam says that this is the second week of april sam then breaks down what they're doing dean compliments john's intelligence for putting together the list of missing people as if a monkey couldn't fucking do it we do not like um pick me daddy dean anyways So Sam pulls over, oh, because they're in the car at this point. Sam pulls over and Dean asks what he's doing. Sam says they aren't going to Indiana. Also, Sam is driving, probably because Dean wanted to cheer him up from his daddy issues. Sam says that they're going to California instead because John called from a payphone with a Sacramento area code. Does he just have area codes memorized or do you think he used shitty 2005 internet to figure it out? Sam says that if this was if this is the demon that killed mom and Jess and dad's closing in, we've got to be there. We've got to help. Dean says that dad doesn't want our help. Sam just says that he doesn't care. And you know what? Some people don't realize they need help when they really do. Dean says that their job is important and Sam says he understands but sam also says he just wants one week to get answers to get revenge dean says he knows how sam feels and sam says do you how old were you when when mom died just died six months ago how the hell would you know how i feel don't be a dick sammy um dean backs up his argument with dad said it wasn't safe sam says he doesn't understand dean's blind faith and the fact that dean doesn't question him 
Dean says that it's called being a good son. Don't be a dick, Dean. And it's not called... And it's not. It's called not having your own free will. And you're supposed to be team free will. Also, I'm getting like... I'm getting some like not quite emotional incest. In the sense of John and Dean. But like... Sort of in the way that some moms tell their sons... That while their dad is away, they're the man of the house. Does that make sense? You know, like that kind of emotional incest. Just coming from a father to son in a heterosexual way. Like, that's very much what this feels like. You know? So, Sam opens the door of the Impala and gets out. Dean follows him to call him a selfish selfish bastard. But Sam's parents were married when he was conceived. This is not a valid name calling, Dean. <laughs> Sam is grabbing his bags and Dean adds on saying, You just do whatever you want. You don't care what anybody thinks. Sam says, That's what you think? Well, this selfish bastard is going to California. As he starts walking off. Dean asks if he's serious and Sam says, Yes, duh. Dean then says that he's taking off and he will leave his ass. Sam turns around and tells him that's what he wants him to do. Dean says good and shuts the trunk before getting in the car and driving off. Sam turns back around to continue walking. Then it cuts to the outside of a little church before showing us Dean rolling into the town from the beginning. Dean contemplates calling Sam, but in the end he doesn't. Dean walks up to a cafe named Scotty's Cafe. Dean asks if, if if the man sitting outside the cafe is Scotty, and he says, yep. Dean says that his name is John Bonham. Scotty asks if that's the drummer of Led Zeppelin. Dean is surprised that he's been caught lying, and Scotty asks what he can do for John. Um, Kind of funny that he calls himself his dad's name, even though the whole joke is that it's the drummer from Led Zeppelin. <laughs> Dean pulls out some missing persons papers and asks Scotty if he's seen these people. It's just the couple from the beginning. Scotty says no and asks who they are. Dean says that they're friends of his. He tells Scotty that they went missing about a year ago. Scotty hands Dean back the papers and says that they don't get many strangers around here. Dean tells him, see you around, but doesn't stop in the cafe for some of that apple pie Who's Dean Winchester is this? Because it ain't mine. Cut to Sam. He is now on the side of a foggy road when he notices a girl sitting down. Now, what's weird about this is how we didn't notice her beforehand. Um, Sam tries to talk to her, but she's listening to music. He taps on her shoulder and scares the shit out of her, but also not really because of who she is. (laughs) Sam asks where she's headed, and she smartly decides not to tell him, which must be a first for Sam, considering people usually just answer whatever fucking question he asks. Sam then asks why not, and she answers that he could be some kind of freak, later foreshadowing to the fact that Sammy will be some kind of freak, and the fact that she is too. A guy in a van begins to pull up, but will only pick up the girl. Sam is offended. But he's obviously a douche and a predator and dumb because she's going to kill him. Cutting back to Dean, who is not questioning people in the general store. 
which also is the gas station. Um, same as my town. The only difference is ours is red and not white. And I'm getting a bit worried. <laughs> um, he's asking if they're sure if the couple didn't stop for gas or anything. The general store owners are the same older couple from the beginning of the episode. I say that as if I'm not only 12 minutes into this episode. Um, man, they sure do cram a lot of people in these episodes. The daughter comes walking in, um, and I'm sorry, she's actually their niece. The niece comes walking in and asks if the guy had a tattoo on knowingly ruining her whole town. Dean says yes and shows her the picture. She And she tells um, her uncle and aunt that they were just married and then the uncle says that she's right. They did stop for gas. He says that they were there for like 10 minutes and he gave them the directions to get back to the interstate. Dean wants to know if they can point him in the same direction and he obliges. It then cuts to Dean driving down the same road. The EMF reader begins going off. Wouldn't it pick up like the power lines and also possibly the car? Like, I don't know if, it, if an EMF and like car battery or like the wires or anything but the phone lines and electrical wires near you definitely would be get picked up by an emf that's why they're so unreliable anyways dean pulls over to look for it and it's like going crazy coincidentally dean is in front of the apple or orchard he gets out to look around. He spots the scarecrow and walks right up to it. Not me. Fuck that thing. If I see that thing in... It, it, no. If I see that thing in person, you got me fucked up. I'm done. Like, I'm absolutely done. Dean calls the scarecrow fugly to its face, giving the scarecrow a personal vendetta against Dean. He also notices that the scarecrow has a familiar tattoo on its arm. Dean grabs a nearby ladder that's just fucking hanging out for plot reasons to check it out. And it's also important to note that there are buckets of apples underneath the trees and on the ground, but no apples in the trees, like I was saying. Dean pulls out the missing person's flyers to compare the tattoos. And I don't know if it's like the wind, but I swear the scarecrow's head is like bobbing up and down. It then come, cuts back to Dean pulling back up to the general store. Dean fills up his gas at the general store. Also, the final girl this episode's name is Emily. And the old couple are her aunt and uncle, not her parents. Emily tells Dean that surrounding towns are losing their farms and houses, but this town isn't like the others because they're blessed. Dean then asks if she's been out to the or orchard and has seen the scarecrow. She says yes and that it creeps her out. He then wants to know who owns it and she says she doesn't know. It's just always been there. Dean asks whose car is behind Emily getting worked on and em Emily says some customers. Dean then wants to know if it's a guy and a girl, a couple. Emily says yes. Dean is so smart when he's not around Sam. Like, whenever Dean actually has to work, and I talk about this a little bit um, the last episode in Asylum, is Dean is so, like, fucking lazy at some points. Like, Sam does all the research. And um, Sam asks, like, all the important questions. 
And then um, Dean always makes Sam, like, take, like, rescue the people, you know, like, escort them out of wherever they are. Dean usually is the one that, like, performs the kill, usually. And that's about all he does. That is literally all he does. So, anyways, back to Sammy. He can't get a bus to Sacramento until tomorrow at 5.05 p.m. Sam says that there has to be another way, and a woman at the ticket booth says, There is. Buy a car. And I love that for her. Sam goes to call Dean, but the mystery woman from earlier distracts him. She tells him that the guy picked her up was was shady. Then he Then they tell each other, that they're both trying to get to California. We finally get to know her name and drum roll. It's Meg. There was a short minute with Sam, but now we're back to the small town where Scotty is giving one of the town's new victims an apple pie. Dean walks in and Scotty looks pissed slash worried. Finally, he orders some pie, but also some black coffee. Dean begins talking to the couple. The couple tells him that they had stopped for gas and one of their brake lines was leaking, so they're fixing it for him. Dean gives them a skeptical look for how long it's going to take to fix a a brake line. I'm no mechanic, but maybe they have other stuff to do, like, with the rest of their business. And can't fix it right now, like, right then and there. Dean offers to fix it for free in about an hour, and the couple declines. Dean tries to further convince them by saying that the roads aren't safe at night and that they might be in danger. Dean then begins to talk about Sam and and his puppy dog look. Scotty had called the sheriff on Dean, and now the sheriff enters. The sheriff follows Dean out of town because that's worked in the past before. Now we get to go back to Sammy and Meg. They are talking, and because you know Meg's there specifically on a mission to watch Sam, she says that she had to get away from her family. Sam wants to know why, and of course Sam can relate to everything she's saying, like how she's not how she's supposed to sit there and just do what she's told. This would be better if Meg was gay. Just a little bit. Anyways, back to Dean, we see him driving back down into town, and then we get a shot of the couple walking through the orchard, complaining about how their car broke down. The scarecrow walks behind them and scares them. We then get a shot of the scarecrow coming out of nowhere, getting his... getting his weapon ready to kill. The couple takes off, and Dean stops them with a shotgun and tells them to get back into their car. Oh, get back to their car. Dean shoots the scarecrow, but nothing happens. So he shoots it again a couple of times before they get to Dean's car. We cut back to Sam, who is on the phone while Meg is asleep. It's Dean telling him about the scarecrow. Dean says that it's a god, a pagan god. He's come to the conclusion by the fact that it's an annual killing and that it's always a man and a woman. Dean says that he's on his way to a local community college to see a professor to try to find out what god it is exactly so he can kill it dean tries to say sorry but he doesn't really know how to so sam says yeah i'm sorry too no no make dean say it dean then says that he's proud of sam because he does what he wants when he wants 
wants to and he lives his own life they hang up and meg conveniently wakes up after this because she was fucking pretending and um she's so obviously nosy who was that what he say it's not your fucking business the professor um back to sam the professor says that the small town comes from scandinavian and immigration meaning that it's a norse god dean then says that he's looking for a specific one one that might live in an orchard the professor opens a big old book and says um a woods god dean makes him stop on a drawing of a scarecrow the professor says that it's not a woods god and we find out its name and it's um bear with me veneer venar v-a-n-i-r I might be white, but I'm not white enough to be able to pronounce any Scandinavian words. Vanar. I feel like it's Vanar or like Vanar. Um, anyways, we find out that, that this God does in fact get sacrifices of one male and one female, and it comes from a sacred tree. Dean says, thank you and leaves. But as he opens the door, the sheriff knocks him out with the back of his gun love those shots anyways not whenever they're doing it to characters that i enjoy uh, on a good day uh, because the professor is a part of the town scotty and the sheriff try to convince emily's uncle to sacrifice her with dean they put em- emily in the storm shelter with dean and she's crying and begging them not to back to sam and meg meg tells sam that their bus that their bus came but sam has a sneaking feeling that dean was giving him a goodbye goodbye like a i might not make it out of this one goodbye so he tries dean's phone and when he doesn't answer he tells her that she better catch it and that he's got to go meg is trying to convince sam to get on the bus but we're gonna go back to emily and dean as dean explains to emily that they're going to be sacrifices this made me think of the live action scooby-doo movie Sacrifice yes scooby a human sacrifice a room and sacrifice i don't know why i did that so high-pitched scooby's voice is not high-pitched a room and sacrifice i'm gonna be a sacrifice anyways dean says that he'll need her help finding the tree and she says that there's a tree they call the first tree that was brought over on the boat but she doesn't know where it is. The whole town opens the cellar door, door and points their guns at the two. They tie them to the fake apple trees, and Dean wants to know how many people they have killed, and their sheriff says that they don't kill people. Emily begs her uncle to set her free, but he just says that he's sorry, as the sheriff points his gun at Dean. Everyone starts leaving, and Dean tells them, I hope your apple pie is freaking worth it! Let me see if I can do that again. I hope your apple pie is freaking worth it. Uh, close enough. I love the way Jensen delivers, like, Dean's snarky-ass comments. Love it. Absolutely love it. Emily then asks Dean what the plan is, and Dean just says that he's working on it. It turns to night, and Emily again asks dean if he has a plan he once again says that he's working on it dean then wants to know if she can see the scarecrow isn't moving yet and she says that she can't see they start to um 
hear footsteps and freaking out. When they hear Sam say, Dean? Oh, man. I can hear it perfectly in my freaking head, but I can't spit it out the same way that they say it. Um, Dean says that he he takes back everything that he said and that he's happy to see Sam. Dean then asks Sam how he got there, and Sam says that he stole a car. Dean starts laughing and says, that's my boy. Emily looks confused as fuck here. Um, Dean then tells Sam to keep an eye on the scarecrow. He could come alive at any minute. Sam says, what scarecrow? The three begin running through the orchard after they've been untied. Now my question is this. Why not escape for the night? and burn down the tree tomorrow we've already seen that the scarecrow can't leave the orchard why go through all this now um dean suggests what i did but they run into emily's aunt and uncle and everyone else who is trying to keep them in the orchard they then hear the growling sound and emily begs for them to let her go just as the uncle is stabbed she then begins screaming into dean's chest same girl same <laughs> um he then takes her aunt and um he and hooks his weapon into her uncle's leg and the townspeople scatter they leave the orchard the god got you know what he was looking for so he got his human sacrifice his room and sacrifice in the morning they search the orchard um with a gas can and find a tree with some runes, runes carved into it sam soaks that bad boy up in the gas and Dean lights it, uh, lights a stick, and Emily says, let me. Dean then says, you know, the whole town's gonna die. And Emily replies with, good, before lighting that bitch up. Sam and Dean drop Emily off at the bus station. Dean asks if he can drop Sam off somewhere, and Sam says, no, I think you're stuck with me. The boys get in the car after having a heart-to-heart, and it cuts to Meg in an old van. She has the guy driving pull over and pulls out a bowl and asks, he asks what it is. And she says that she's got to make a call. This is my favorite scene of the whole episode. Maybe even possibly season one. Um, she, so she's got to make a call. She then slits his throat in the most iconic scene ever, I swear. Also, this shady guy kind of looks like Lucifer. Um, anyways, we only see, um, we only get her side of the car and she's upset that and she's upset she was told to um let the boys go and this episode ends with her saying yes father so my final thoughts on this episode um maybe because it took me like uh two day long breaks in between watching this episode or because i've seen it a million times it wasn't as scary as i thought um I love the character development on the boys part and the introduction to Meg. I love Meg. I love Meg. So looking into this episode's God, the Venar, what did we, what did we settle on? The Venar? The Venar? The Venar. The Venar. The Venar. I don't know. So it seems like it's more of like a race of gods within the Norse gods than a specific god, um, which is more how it was presented in this episode. So looking into a bit, um, although they have accepted sacrifices, sacrifices, none of them were like the one described in this episode. Now, the fun part in ancient 
Oh, um, now we're gonna go to like other instances of um scarecrow type things. Okay, so in ancient Greece, farmers would carve wooden statues of um bear with me, papyrus pri Priapus, because he had a consistency, oh, a consistent boner, and he was considered ugly and kept birds away, which is fucking interesting. Um, also, in pre-feudal Japan, they often used um, kakashis, which meant something stinky. It was made of old, dirty rags and noisemaker, and then set on fire, and this also kept birds away. So the only urban legend I can find on like a killer scarecrow sort of um, is the Japanese, okay, Kunike, that is probably the best way I will be able to pronounce that one, which is a thin white paper-like humanoid shape that appears during hot summer days around lunchtime. And can only be seen from a distance. And if you happen to catch a glimpse of it, you'll go crazy and die. So, that was um, Season 1, Episode 11, titled Scarecrow. And it looks like I do have time to add on um, the next episode, which would be Season 12 of uh, Season 1 of Episode Episode 12 of season one titled Faith. So I don't really have a good story or like a story at all to go with this episode, just like the last. Um, But I do now like have to go to church every Sunday, which sucks because I'm not religious at all. I wasn't even raised religious. So it's weird. And I feel like out of place. And we do this little class before actual church. Like it's like Bible study, I guess. And they always ask questions like, why do you think they used this? Um, like whenever we're reading in the Bible, like reading out of the Bible and stuff, they're like, well, why do you think that they worded it the way that they did? And I want to be like, oh, well, because they fucking stole it. Um, they wanted to guilt trip you. Fuck if I know. Um, but I don't. I stay respectful because I respect people's right to worship, you know? You know, people have the right to worship whom whom they please, and I don't want to get in any trouble on top of that. But I always think of this episode whenever we do, like, prayer requests and shit, when they talk about miracles, and I always think, and I think recently they started, like, recording sermons and stuff, like, in um, hopes of the church becoming famous, or at least the, the pastor. Anyways, so let's jump into faith. Let's take a leap. Of faith. So we open up in the boys pulling up to a, what I can only describe as a foreclosed looking house. Um, we seem to have started in the middle of a hunt. Dean picks up a taser gun and Sam asks how high the voltage is. Dean says um, 100,000 watts because he wants this, I quote, raw head, extra freaking crispy. And this level of dialogue is exactly why I watch the show. And that is not sarcasm. Dean adds on that um, you only get one shot with these things. So, to make it count. I hate this opening in the middle of the thing that's going on, but okay. They enter the house in the dark 
kind of like FBI agents. Like funny, like funnily enough, like their stance um, and the way that they're holding their guns with like the lights on them, it just screams FBI agents to me. Anyway, so they they walk slowly through the house until they find an old wardrobe. And I wonder if Dean will make a Narnia reference here. Dean opens the door on um on three on the count of three and it reveals two kids and for some reason throughout this part i was like oh my god the demons the kids the demons the two kids the demon is the two kids boy was i wrong sam runs behind the kids um oh so they ask if it's still there and both the kids nod their heads before like nod before crawling out of it Sam runs behind the kids as they run up the stairs, but his ankle is grabbed and he falls as the little girl screams. It's the most annoying scream I've ever heard. Dean shoots at it and I guess he hits it or he misses. I guess I think he just scares it. I don't know. He then tells Dean to get uh, he then tells Sam to get the kids out of there, further proving my point in the last episode. Uh Sam throws his gun to Dean, and Dean runs out. Um, throws his gun to Dean before run, running out with the kids. Dude, this monster looks gnarly. Also, I try to refrain from calling them monsters. I usually go with, like, creature. Um, but this is a demon, so I'll do whatever the fuck I want. You know, it's about, like... Ethics. Ethically, like... You know, calling somebody else's history and mythological mythological creature a monster just doesn't sit right with me. But this is all my mind, baby. I can call it a monster. Anyways, Dean. Um, it pushes Dean down like way too easily. If you were to ask me, Dean then crawls through the water in this basement. I guess. Um. Dean crossed through this water to grab his his um, Sam's taser gun, which he dropped when he fell. He then decides to shoot the demon with the tr- taser gun again, and he does this, but the demon is in the water too, so obviously the electric current travels through the water to Dean as well, in a very fake CGI-looking way. A quick Google search will tell you, yes, this is possible, but also will tell you that it isn't possible. I, for one barely believe it but okay dean passes out just as sam comes down the stairs he screams his name as he normally does and then we get um the season one title card and i'm remembering this birthday cake i got one year for my birthday obviously that had one of the season's title card on it and how much i took it for granted i can't remember which season it was it was definitely the one with the blood anyways Oh, hold on. Let me get comfortable. Crack my back. Um. Anyways, so we now open in a hospital. The nurse is asking Sam for her insurance on Dean, the legally dead person with a criminal record. Sam hands over a scam credit card in front of um, two cops like a dumbass. Sam then tells the cops that they were driving through the neighborhood when they heard screaming because their windows were rolled down and they stopped and went in and found the kids in the basement the doctor comes out of the room so sam turns his attention to him 
And the doctor says that the electrocution caused a massive heart attack, causing a lot of damage. Sam wants to know how much damage, and the doctor tells him that they've done all they can, and the only thing left to do is to keep Dean comfortable. He then tells Sam that he has a couple of weeks, at most a month. Sam tries to contest this by saying the cliche line of, there has to be something you can do. The doctor says, well, we can't work miracles. Dean is laying in the hospital flipping through daytime TV when he makes a comment about having never had time to watch it before. Which I believe, if I'm right, Dean was, uh, Dean, Jensen Ackles was on a soap opera. But I don't fucking know. So that's kind of why there's this comment. Also, the boys don't have time to watch daytime television. To be fair, neither do I, so I don't. Sam tells him that he talked to his doctor, and Dean says that softener teddy bear, ooh, I want to hunt that little bitch down. Um, Which, again, is the reason why we watch the show. Sam replies with, what are you talking about? Oh, (laughs) I skipped that. Sam gets his attention, and Dean tells him, so I guess you're leaving town without me. Sam replies with, what are you talking about? I'm not going to leave you. Can you imagine what this would have been like to watch the day that it aired, not knowing that he, like, lives lives through this? Like, the agony of thinking, this is it. There goes my new show. Can you imagine just, like, hold on. Like, do you think that the Watchers um in 2005 for like oh my gosh the show's getting canceled they're killing dean i mean this would be like a a shitty way to do it anyways dean tells sam that he better take care of that car or he swears that he'll he'll haunt his ass and with a little smile sam says i don't think that's funny Dean says that they knew the job was dangerous. He just drew the short straw. Sam tells him not to talk like that. They still have options. Dean asks what options, burial or cremation. Dean adds that he knows it's not easy, but he's going to die. Wrong, bitch. You are not going to die. Ever. I'm saying that as somebody who hasn't finished the show, despite the fact that I know how he dies. Um, Dean tells him that he can't stop it and sam rebuttals with watch me cutting to i guess a hotel room sam is looking at some heart care pamphlets while trying to get a hold of john i'm a terrible winchester or i'm a terrible father winchester who of course is not answering and instead telling people with an emergency to call the man that is dying and if anybody's wondering dean's phone number is 866-907-3235 what happens if i call this number well nothing now but it used to play jensen's voice not anymore sam starts off the message with hey it's sam you probably won't even get this and that is sad fuck john winchester he continues on with but uh it's dean he's sick and uh the doctor says there's nothing they can do um but uh they don't know the things we know right um so don't worry because i'm gonna do Whatever it takes to get him better. All right, just wanted to let you know. 
Sam then hears a knock on his door, and it's Dean, looking very sickly. Sam asks him what he's doing there, and Dean says that he checked himself out. Dean also says that he's not going to die in a hospital where the nurses aren't even hot. Ugh. Puke emoji. Sam calls Dean out for this bullshit. Sam then tells Dean that he's trying to find a way to save him. And this guy Joshua called him back and told him about a guy in Nebraska who is a specialist. Dean makes a comment about how Sam won't let him die in peace. Sam makes the executive decision that they're going to Nebraska. Cutting to them pulling up to a tent and a house. It's um, very muddy outside and I wonder if it was on purpose perhaps or was it an accident? Was it just like rainy that day and they were like, fuck it, we gotta shoot this now. Um, anyways. It's just thinking about how they filmed this all in Canada. Um, cutting to them. Oh, what am I doing? So Sam helps Dean out of the car, even though Dean doesn't want the help. He then calls Sam a liar because this is obviously not a doctor. Sam tells him that he didn't lie because he said a specialist. That's why you need to listen. Dean tells Sam that he can't believe him. To he took him to see a man that heals people out of a tent. As a passerby tells him, that the um, Reverend El Grange, Lagrange, sorry, is a great man. We also get a shot of a protester being escorted away from the tent. This is the first instance of, well, if the things we hunt exist, why not God? Another passerby says, maybe God works in mysterious ways. Dean turns to her and smiles and says, maybe he does. I roll. She will be our love interest for the day. Her name is Layla, and if memory serves me right... She is sick and needs to be healed. Before they enter the tent, Dean makes a gross-ass comment. Oh, I bet she could work. Oh, let me do this again. Oh, I bet she could work in mysterious ways. Also, this joke makes Sam laugh a little. Um, Dean comments on a security camera. Dean tries to sit in the back, but Sam pulls Dean to the front. The seats they choose are right behind Layla and her mom. As the Reverend begins his sermon on how horrible the news was in 2005, um, we get a shot of a cross, but, like, not a normal one. Don't come for me. I don't know what it's called. Maybe after I finish the episode, I'll know what it's called. Anyways, uh, um, Dean makes a comment about how it's a scam, and the Reverend hears and calls on Dean. Ooh, Jensen has some stubble here, like a little tiny bit, and holy shit, it looks so fucking good. Dean then apologizes. The Reverend then tells him not to be sorry, to just watch what he says around a blind man. This makes Dean smirk a bit. He then asks Dean what his name is, and Dean doesn't lie. He is honest and gives him his actual name. The Reverend, Reverend then tells Dean to join him up on stage. Dean is very reluctant to do so. Also, I think... I don't know what I was going to say there. Okay. Dean tells him to pick someone else. And he says he didn't pick him. The Lord did. And I feel as if I'm in church right now. I hate it. Sam tells Dean to go, so Dean does. Dean tells the Reverend that he's not exactly a believer. The Reverend's first name is Roy, by the way. So Roy says that he will be with the, he will. Oh, so Dean tells him that he's not a believer and Roy says that he will. With like the fakest smile on ever. Like obviously a fake ass smile. And I love it. Like it very much 
like looks like what it would look like in real life, you know? Everyone starts praying as Ray touches Roy touches Dean's hand head. Dean falls to the falls to his knees as Roy repeats, "All right now," a couple of times. Dean passes out and the crowd says, "Hallelujah." I don't know why I said it that way. That's a good song, though. Sam runs to his brother's side. Dean wakes up and sees um, an old man-like thing next to the reverend. It's also important to note that Dean no longer looks sickly. The figure straight up just disappears. Cutting to a doctor's office, Sam asks Dean how he feels as the doctor comes in and tells Dean that his test results show nothing wrong with his heart. Then the doctor says that a young guy like him, age 27, died yesterday from a heart attack. And this feels like a HIPAA violation, although no personal details were told. You can literally see the hamster running around his brain after hearing this. Sam says that it's just a coincidence, even though Dean thinks that it's odd. Sam thinks that they should just be thankful that Dean's life was saved. Dean can't shake this feeling. Dean then elaborates by saying, when I was healed, I just, I felt wrong. I felt cold. And for one second, I saw someone, this old man, I'm telling you. Sam, it was the spirit. Sam argues that if something was there, he would have seen it. Dean tells Sam that he needs a little bit of faith on this one. Sam asks Dean what he wants to do. Dean says, why don't you check out the heart attack guy? I'm going to visit the reverend. Cutting back to the reverends, Dean is inside their house talking to the reverend's wife and Roy the reverend. As she pours the spot to tea... Dean asks um, when the miracle started. Roy the Reverend explains that he woke up one morning stone blind. Doctor figured out that he had cancer, told him he had maybe a month, so they prayed for a miracle. He was weak, but he told his wife, Sue Ann, that she better just keep up, keep up in praying. He then went into a coma, and the doctor said he, would walk, he wouldn't wake again, but he did, and the cancer was gone. If it wasn't for these eyes, no one would believe he ever had it. Dean follows up with, and suddenly you could heal, pe heal people. Roy answers with, I discovered it afterwards. Yes, God blessed me in many ways. Sue Ann cuts in with that his flock just swelled overnight. And that this is just the beginning. Dean's last question is, why me? Out of all of the sick people, why save me? Roy answers with, well, like I said before, the Lord guided me. I looked into your heart and you just stood out from the rest. Later season spoiler, but if everything Chuck writes about the boys comes true, and well, Chuck is God, then in a way, God really did, did choose him, if that makes sense. Anyways, Dean then asks a follow-up question. What did you see in my heart? Roy answers, a young man with an important purpose, a job to do and it isn't finished. Over to Sam, who is interviewing someone connected to the heart attack victim. He looks like um, a fellow swimmer. The guy says that he was running because he was um, because he was being chased by something, but there was nothing chasing him. On Sam ways out, he notices a broken clock, and the guy says that it just stopped working, and they can't get it to work. Sam asks if the time was 4.17 when, when the guy died. The guy's name is Mitchell Hall, I think. Something Hall. Anyways. 
and it is when he died. Um, back to Dean, as he's leaving the house, he runs into Layla and her mom, who wants to talk to Roy. Sue Ann tells them that Roy is resting when Layla's mother says this is their sixth time and he, he has to see them. Sue Ann tells them that Roy wants to help, but he can only help them whenever the Lord allows. I roll. Layla's mom turns to Dean and asks why he is still here, because he got what he wanted. Layla tells her to stop, but she doesn't listen. In fact, she continues and says that they've been to every single service and Roy needs to stop choosing strangers who don't believe because she just can't pray any harder. Dean asks Layla what's wrong and she answers with, I have this thing. Her mom says that it's a brain tumor and it's inoperable. In six months, she'll be a goner. Dean says he is sorry. Also, can we take a moment to appreciate the age-appropriate love interest this episode like she doesn't look too young she looks like the perfect age for dean her actress is actually in saw five too um layla's mom thinks that she's a badass and says no it isn't why do you think you deserve oh no you aren't because he said i'm sorry or like no don't apologize i don't know why do you think you deserve to live more than my daughter? And then they both walk away, like as if it was his choice. Cutting to the hotel room, Sam is on his laptop as Dean enters, throwing the keys on the bed while taking off his jacket. Fuck, he looks good in that red color. Jensen, that is. Dean wants an update. Sam immediately apologizes to Dean, and he wants to know. And tells him what he wants to know. Sam confesses that the heart attack victim died at 417, the exact time that Dean was healed. Sam now explains that he put together a list of everyone Roy's healed, six people over the past year. And he cross-checked them with the local Orbits obituaries. Obits. He then gives us our lore. Every time someone was healed, someone else died. Each time the victim died... Of the same symptoms, Lagrange or Lagrange, whatever they were saying, was healed at the time. Dean asks, someone's healed of cancer. Someone's healed of cancer. Oh my gosh. Healed of cancer. Someone dies of cancer. Sam answers with, somehow Lagrange is trading a life for another. Lagrange is Roy, the reverend's last name. We get a shot of the next victim. Dean needs further elaboration as he asks if the guy died so he could live. Sam says that he probably would have died anyways when someone else was healed. Dean says, you never should have brought me here. Sam rebuttals with, I was trying to save your life. Dean has survivor's guilt because some guy died because of him. And we keep intercutting between the congregation and Sam and Dean and the next victim. Sam brings up the question of how he's doing it. Dean, sure of himself, says that he's not doing it. He says that deep down he knew there was only one thing that can give and take life like that. A reaper. Whoop, whoop. The victim begins running from the reaper. The reaper catches her and he kills her. With a... Okay. We are now 
about halfway through the episode, Sam asks Dean if he really thinks that it's the Grim Reaper, like an angel of death, collect your soul, the whole deal. Dean says, no, 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 not the Reaper, a Reaper. There's Reaper lore in every culture. They go by a hundred different names. It's possible that there's more than one. Sam says, oh, but you said you saw a dude in a suit. Dean asks if he should have been wearing black robe, a black robe. And that, Sam said it himself. The clock stopped right. Reapers stopped time. Lots to take in here and to fact check. Dean also adds that you can only see it when it's coming for you, which is why only he could see it and Sammy couldn't. Sam says, just says maybe. Dean tells him that it can't be anything else. What they need to figure out is how Roy is controlling it. Sam mentions the cross he saw in the tent church. Sam pulls out a tarot card because that's where he saw the cross before. It looks like it says uh, the Hierophant. The card, anyways. Um, Sam talks about how priests used to used to perform magic, and some veered into the dark stuff, i.e., necromancy and how to push death away and how to cause it. They come back to the, or they come to the conclusion that Roy is using black magic to bind the Reaper. Dean suggests killing Roy. Sam, as always, protests. But Dean thinks it's justified because Roy is playing God, deciding who lives and who dies. Sam still disagrees because Roy is a human being. Dean says that, <coughs> says, um, that they can kill Roy and they can't kill death. Or they can't kill Roy and they can't kill death. So any bright ideas, college boy? Sam says, if Roy is using some kind of black spell on the Reaper, we have to figure out what it is and how to break it. We cut to the Impala pulling back to the church tent. After getting out of the car, Sam says that Roy is using the spell. There might be a spell book. So Dean says that Sam should see if he can find it because the service starts in 15 minutes. But don't worry, Dean will try to stop Roy. The protester from the beginning is passing out flyers and tells the boys that Roy LaGrange is a fraud and no healer. Sam tells him to keep up the good work and Dean tells him amen to that brother amen to that not amen why did i read it like that sam sneaks into the house to sue Anne, and i guess like a bodyguard sort of like escort roy the reverend down the front steps sam utilizes the window instead of a door sam then picks the locks to their office door and opens it um while looking at a bookshelf he sees some dust around most of the books all but one the book without desk is dust is the encyclopedia of christian history old and new testament for students and clergy by a heiserach i don't know which googling this brings up like sort some sort of like fan wiki about the episode it's not fan wiki also the book is fake sam flips through the book but doesn't find anything he likes for this situation like he literally doesn't even read it he just flips through it and he's like, not the seen it. And then he notices a smaller book in the hole left by the book he removed. Sam drops, <laughs> just drops the fucking encyclopedia. Um, he then flips through the little book until he sees an image of the cross. Um, inside, there are also some news paper articles that tells us about the victim. Marshall Hall, the jogger that was killed earlier, um, was killed. Oh, I'm sorry. Marshall Haw, the swimmer, is an openly gay teacher. The jogger that was killed earlier was pro-abortion. Me too. 
The last newspaper he pulls out is an article on the protester who goes by right, which is his last name. And the article is about how the church is a cult. (sighs) Cutting to Dean as his phone rings and he answers it, wanting to know what Sam has figured out. Sam says, Roy's choosing victims he sees as immoral. And I think I know who his who's next on his list remember the protester dean asks the guy in the parking lot sam says yeah i'll find him but you can't let roy heal anyone all right dean slowly walks towards the stage area as we go back to sam who is suspiciously walking around the parking lot like he keeps looking around and he just looks very suspicious roy the reverend calls on layla to come up to the stage with him (sighs) sad day bro this episode's pretty sad the crowd claps for her layla smiles and hugs her mom before heading up there dean doesn't know what to do like he's like literally just looking around trying to figure out what he's doing um dean stops layla and tells her layla you gotta listen to me you can't go up there she wants to know why not because she's been waiting for months dean tells her that she can't let roy heal her layla tells him that she doesn't understand roy healed him (sighs) sorry Dean just says, because if you do, something bad is going to happen. I can't explain. I need you to just believe me. And I hate this fucking bullshit line that they always say. I think I say that every episode. Um, Sue Ann tries to get Layla to come on. Layla tells Dean that she's sorry. And she goes up there. We cut back to Sam, who hears the protester calling out for help. It quickly cuts back to the reverend, who is asking everyone to pray with him. Roy goes to put his hands on her head as we switch back to Wright running from the Reaper. (sighs) Sam finds Wright and asks where he is. Wright points at it, but Sam, being a dumbass, looks in the wrong direction. Sam tells him to come on and they take off running. We cut back to inside and Dean is sort of like walking around the tent as Roy's hands get closer and closer to Layla's head. Just as he's about to touch Layla, Dean starts yelling, fire! Layla's mom begs for Roy not to stop. Also, the tent is very clearly not on fire. Dean should have just had Sam set fire to the the tent for real. Like, right behind the reverend on the outside. It would have been way more effective. Sam, while while on the phone with Dean again... Oh, Sam is on the phone with Dean again, says, Dean says that um, he stopped it. Sam tells Wright that it's okay, and then Wright says no and gets on his knees. Sam tells Dean that it didn't work. Sam says that Roy must not be controlling the thing as Wright is being attacked by the Reaper. Dean asks, well, who the hell is it then? When he turns and sees Sue Ann praying behind the piano, why am I reading this like this? Like, I feel like I have, I'm, like, reading with this with, like, no spunk or energy or anything. Hold on, I'll be going to drink my, my water real quick. Well, I say that right before making a real big yawn. It's sparkling water. I don't know if we got, like, an ASMR moment with that. Anyways... Dean tells Sam that it's Sue Ann as he closes the flip phone to hang up and fuck, why is that hot? Not to get into like the current celebrity drama sort, 
But imagine being on the phone with Chris Pine and he just fucking hangs up by closing it. Like, fuck, that's hot, you know? <laughs> Admit that you grew up with flip phone phones without admitting you grew up with flip phones. I'm 23, by the way, if anybody's wondering. Um, my first phone was not a flip phone. But my parents had flip phones. My stepmom and my stepdad, or my dad, and my aunt had one of those pink razor flip phones that I think that she actually gave to me and my sister at one point. And they were, uh, I guess that was my first phone then. And we would always play with it. I probably didn't ever call anybody. I was little. I was born in 99. So I'm not old. Anyways. Back to the regular scheduled programming. Dean grabs Sue Ann and stops her praying and sees the same cross around her neck. The Reaper leaves right alone for a second. Sue Ann starts screaming for help. Um, A law enforcement of some kind sort of like grabs Dean up and escorts him out of the tent. Sue Ann tells Dean, I just don't understand after everything we've done for you. After Roy healed you. We're just very, very disappointed, Dean. Fuck her. She then tells the cops that they can let him go. And they won't be pressing charges because the Lord will de- deal with him as she as he sees fit. The cops tell Dean, if we catch you around here again, son, we'll put the fear of God in you, understand? Dean replies with, yes, sir, fear of God, got it. Dean runs into Layla and she asks why he would do that. Dean says that he's not a healer and Layla says that he healed him. Dean says, I know it doesn't seem fair, and I wish I could explain. So fucking explain it, damn it. And he also says, but Roy is not the answer. I'm sorry. Layla tells Dean goodbye. Roy tells Layla's mom that they will have a private session tonight, and he will heal her daughter. Dean overhears this as he walks over to Sammy. We cut back to the hotel for a recap. Sam is sitting on the bed, and Dean is pacing. Sam shares a little book with Dean and says that it's written by a priest who went to the dark side. He also says that there is, in fact, a binding spell in it for trapping a reaper. Sam says that Sue Ann crossed a line and that she is evil. Dean says that she was desperate. Her husband was dying. Dean then brings up the question, if Roy is alive, why is she still using the spell? Sam suggests that it's to kill people she thinks are immoral. Sam says that they've got to break the binding spell. Dean then points out that Sue Ann had a, a Coptic cross like the one on the page. Sam asks if they need to destroy the cross or the altar. Dean thinks that it would be better if they did both. They decide they have to do it soon because there's only like 10 minutes left in this episode. Cutting back to the tent chapel, Sam points out that Layla is already there because he knows what her car looks like. Ooh, excuse me, that was a little burp. Dean says that if they never came at all, Layla would have been healed right now. And if she isn't healed tonight, she's going to die in a couple of months. Sam asks if he's going to let someone else die to save her. Dean and Sammy peek into the tent and don't see Sue Ann. Dean tells Sam to find Sue Ann, and Dean walks up to the cops and asks them if they're if they're out. Oh, if they're going to put the fear of God into him. They chase after Dean so Sammy can sneak inside. Sam sort of like stalls on his breaking in, I guess waiting for Dean because Dean always has to be the one that saves the day. Of course, during this, Sam notices a light coming from some cellar doors. Sam 
then decides to go into the cellar doors as Dean awakens a dog, alerting the cops to his whereabouts. But when the cops get there, Dean is magically gone because he is on the top of the camper that the dog is in. Is the AC on for the dog? I don't hear an AC. In the cellar, Sam sees an altar with Dean's photo on it with a bloody X over his face. And what looks like like um a, like a very, very dead hand. Um, possibly ram horns or like sheep horns or do sheep have horns? <laughs> they don't look like ram horns, but they look like ram horns. Maybe some like goat horns. I don't know. Anyways, as well as a boatload of candles. In classic horror movie fashion, Sue Ann appears behind Sam. She tells him that I can give your brother life and I can take it away. Sam reacts to this by knocking over the altar, which I wouldn't exactly call destroying it because like it doesn't like physically break. It just knocks everything over. But what can I say? I am not a witch. Anyways, also, what about the candles? Shouldn't that, like, start a fire? I'm pretty sure that'd be effective in destroying the altar. Maybe he should have just lit it on fire. My solution to this whole episode is just set it on fire, apparently. Um, Sue Ann tells Sam that the Lord chose her to punish the wicked. Oh, I'm sorry. First, she goes out of the cellar and locks Sam in it. And then she says that the Lord chose me to punish the wicked and to... Uh, well, let me actually... I kind of like paraphrased what she what she says exactly because I just did it backwards. The Lord chose me to reward the just and punish the wicked, and your brother is the wicked, and he deserves to die just as Layla deserves to live. Sam like destroys their washer pipes to break out a wooden window, um, and then we cut back to the tent church roy lagrange lagrange begins to pray for layla dean notices some lights turning off leading up to him he sees the reaper dean doesn't move right away sue ann prays um starts her part of the ritual by whispering in latin into her cross dean lets the reaper touch his head sam comes up behind sue ann and breaks the cross around her neck revealing the blood that's inside of it the reaper stops roy the reverend removes his hand and says that he doesn't understand layla says that she doesn't feel any different sue ann falls to the ground asking what sam has done sam answers he is not your god layla says reverend roy calls out for his wife sue ann sue ann catches a glimpse of the reaper the reaper smiles before appearing behind sue ann just before she turns around so whenever she does turn around He's there, and he kills her. He said gay rights. Sam and Dean meet back at the Impala. Sam asks Dean if he's okay, and Dean says, hell of a week. Back at the hotel, Sam asks Dean, what is it? Twice. Because Sam Dean doesn't really answer the first time. Because Dean is being emo also. Dean wants to know if they did the right thing, because it doesn't feel like it. Sam says, of course they did. There's a knock on the door, and it's Layla. Sam lets her in, and then he leaves the two to talk since he's the one that told Layla where they were. Sam asks where they're going. 
Layla asks where they're going, and Dean says he doesn't know yet because their work takes them all over the place. Layla tells Dean that she went back to to see Roy and nothing happened. Layla also tells Dean that Sue Ann died from a stroke. You know, then then they have like a little insignificant part of a conversation. Dean says, must be rough to believe in something so much and have it disappoint you like that. Like your own father who hasn't fucking checked up on you after getting a voicemail about you dying. Fuck John Winchester. Layla says, you want to hear something weird? I'm okay, really. I guess if you're going to have faith, you can't just have it when the miracles happen. You have to have it when they don't. Layla, that's the whole point of Christianity. You're not teaching anybody anything here. Layla answers with a callback. Oh, um, Dean asks her what's going to happen now. Layla then answers with a callback. God works in mysterious ways. She then touches um, his head like behind his ear and says goodbye as she gets up to leave. She almost makes it out the door when Dean stops her and says, You know, I'm not much of, a, of the praying type, but I'm going to pray for you. Only for her to never be thought of again. Um, anyways, Layla answers with this. Well, there's a miracle right there. Layla leaves and the episode is over. Personally, when Sam and Dean meet God, Dean should have punched him in the face for Layla, TBH. Um, I don't really have, like, that many final thoughts on this episode. I think I will get into maybe, um, the Rawhead lore and maybe, like, a little bit of the Reaper lore. I don't want to get into too much because we do meet them again. Um... Uh, but this is funny. The heart attack victim, Marshall Hall, being killed for being openly gay, only for Dean to be a closeted gay. And that's very funny. Um, this is also, like, semi-off topic. But today at church, because today's Sunday, the 11th. of uh, Today's 9-11. Anyways. So, today at church, during our little, like, Bible class, because I have to go to church, unfortunately. <sighs> um... They were asking what everybody thinks of whenever they hear, like, the word, like, what do they think of whenever they think of angels? And everybody else was like, oh, guardian angels, wings, you know, like, ethereal kind of thing. And I was sitting there and I was like, Castiel, Castiel, supernatural, like, trying to fight it and not saying it out loud. So finally, I was just like, a lot of eyes. And everybody was like, what the fuck? And, and they do this class because a lot of the people in the class, they, they don't know anything about religion or the Bible. Um, or if they do, they don't know a whole lot. So one of the other people in there was like, wait, so do angels have like a lot of eyes? It was super funny. And then the guy that was teaching the class, he was like, honestly, I don't even know where in the Bible that it describes them. So then the preacher that was in the class he was um he was like yeah they um so he tells everybody in like ezekiel whatever uh they describe a cherim as having multiple eyes and stuff like that and i was like i didn't know like specifically that that's that it was a cherim and not an angel because there's a difference because that's what we're talking about right now is um the divine council and um, we're also going to get into demons and the devil. 
and then Nephilim. Nephilim. So, the only reason that I've been excited to go to church. Anyways, uh, we will get into talking about Rawhead first. And then the Reaper. And then um, at the end of the episode, I do have a couple other things I want to talk about. I'm trying to think if I have any final thoughts for the episode. I just finished watching it. I started recording this episode the other day. And then I was like, fuck, I haven't even finished the episode Faith. Yeah, I think that's it. So I'm going to get into all the rest. One last thing. Um, actually, I did want to touch back on that thing. What I mean is with this female char- char- queer character is that I've, I have a worry that Netflix will just yank the show back the way that they do with other female queer shows. Even though she's not like a huge part of the show. You know? You know, it's like we keep getting handed this representation and then they're just like, haha, just kidding, you know? Anyways, um, the other thing I forgot to mention is from an X-Fans Tumblr. <sighs> So I made a Tumblr again. Not again. I, I'm on Tumblr again. I'm sorry. Five Seconds of Summer is doing an exclusive on Tumblr. That's funny. They know their audience. <laughs> I'm sorry. I opened it. Um, I am a predominantly using um, the app with the ugly ass logo but it's okay it's not like it's like my shit isn't ugly anyways so um it's from an x fan with a dash in it all lowercase and mostly i will be posting stuff from like supernatural um the 100 um i posted a lot of um christopher escalon um, you know, memes about the queen dying. Um, there has been a bit of, um, what we do in the shadows. That's not a show that I think that I'll be reviewing because, um, I do have a current love-hate relationship with the show that glances more on to love. I also will be posting, like, future things, like, um, Merlin... Because like I said, I want to do Merlin next. Um, I also did post a couple of things about 28 Days Later since we did that movie. Um, but that's it'll pro- predominantly be stuff that I'm a fan of. It doesn't matter what you're a fan of. It matters what I'm a fan of. And I'm a fan of everything that I just said. I've also been watching um, like Schitt's Creek. So there is like... Um, uh, like a Twitter screenshot with Laszlo from What We Do in the Shadows and um, 
Moira from Schitt's Creek that says, imagine these two having a conversation. The sheer extraneous number of syllables, the archaic vocabulary, there would be no survivors because I think that that's funny. Um, I also will probably be posting spoilers shit as it comes through, depending on what it is. So, like, um, there are season four spoilers from what we do in the shadows. Um, I also talked about what we do in the shadows a little bit on the last 100 episode, and I still hate Nandor. I, I just think that I hate him a little bit less today. But they're just... Uh, I, I mean... Even if you're not going to listen to the podcast, it's a funny fucking blog. Let's be honest. I'm going to my roots. That's what this is. This is me going back to my roots. Um. Uh, so, yeah. So, uh, there also probably will be Our Flag Means Death. Some of the stuff won't have tags on it, if I'm going to be honest. Some of it will have tags. It's like I have like my featured tags, which will be, um, I feel like this is like the boring shit to talk about. <laughs> Bro. Featured tags. So I have like up next on from an up fan. Um, uh, one more time. Up next from an X fan. And I also have now playing on from an X fan. Then I also have coming soon to from an ex fan. And I have like not featured and current fan, just so you know that I didn't stop watching these or um I did stop. But I still love these. Um, yeah. Like with Supernatural, I stopped watching Supernatural. Um, I could not tell you what the fuck happens in great detail after maybe season 11 possibly season 10 i know what i got to and i vaguely remember it (laughs) but around the time that that aired is probably the last time other than now that i've watched supernatural so that's what i mean by nx fan i never went through with the whole show Uh, granted it's 15 seasons of bullshit you know they should have stopped at season five. And we all know it. Uh, even though we all love some of the seasons after season five. You know? I don't even know if season five is the correct season that I'm talking about. They could have ended at nine or ten. Let's be honest. They they, they, sh- they should have ended then. But... You know, shows have those, those, like, weird little dips. Like, I think season 11 was one of those weird little dips. And I was like, you know what? Fuck this. I'm done with you. Kind of situation. Uh, Which is also, coincidentally, how I feel watching season one right now. Because I want to get to the side characters that I love so much. You know? I want to name them off, but I don't. I'll wait, I guess. Uh, Another thing that I want to say before I go... Uh, this was only supposed to be like a quick little plug for the fucking Tumblr account. Um, I might not even do Charmed. Because I was talking about doing Merlin and Charmed next. I might not even do Charmed. I think I might just do season two of Supernatural. Just because I want to get it the fuck over with. Nobody's forcing me to do this. I'm doing this. Because I enjoy talking shit about John Winchester. Even though I know what's coming at the end of the season. I will still find ways. 
even if they don't mention his name the whole episode, I will find a way to talk shit about him. He's my least favorite person, and he's not even real. He's my enemy. Much like um, my current favorite author, what I've already talked about. Anyways, um, this is taking uh, a while. That's basically all I, I wanted to say. So, we'll see where it goes. Um, anyways, if you're listening, thanks. I hope you enjoyed my John Winchester slander.